Now last, but certainly not least, according to another Midrashic account, one third of the tower builders were punished by being transformed into semi-demonic creatures and completely banished into three parallel dimensions, inhabited now by their descendants, of course. Uh, which is a great segue into our next topic, which is spiritual jail and physical jail. Parallels or one and the same? The panopticon. Now, I came across the word panopticon, mainly reading about gang stalking online. When I came across it, because of the rarity of the word, it really piqued my interest. And of course, I started to do my research and I saw what a panopticon actually was, its purpose, the design and the psychological effects caused by it. I decided that I had to talk about it mainly because I had never seen such a thing like in my life. So what is a panopticon, you may be asking? Well, a panopticon is a building in the form of a tower, do you see the correlation? That consists of a particular architecture that allows full observation of every part of the building and of course the people within it. This particular type of building was actually created and formulated in order to be used as a prison. Not only that but to also be able to keep watch and security of this entire prison, the inmates and the workers, but to be able to do it from a singular room and by one person, which kind of gives the watcher an almost omnipresent power over everyone under their surveillance. This particular type of prison was actually designed by a man named Jeremy Bentham in 1785. He was an English social reformer and the founder of utilitarianism, which is the concept of a family of normative ethical theories that prescribe actions that kind of just maximize happiness and well-being for all individuals. Although different varieties of, you know, utilitarianism admit different characterizations, the basic idea behind all of them is to, in some shape, way or form, maximize utility. That's pretty much it. That's the foundation of it, right? Which is often defined in terms of well-being or related concepts. For instance, Jeremy Bentham, the actual founder of this theory, describes utility as, and I quote, that property in any object whereby it tends to produce benefit, advantage, pleasure, good or happiness, or to prevent the happening of mischief, pain, evil or unhappiness. To the party whose interest is considered. Now, of course, in theory, this sounds amazing. The basic idea is great. Like, who's gonna be mad at, you know, maximizing utility of the good and completely erasing the bad, right? However, even though his theory and idea made a, a whole lot of sense, it was still somehow rejected. Um, Bentham actually remained quite bitter throughout his later life because of this rejection of the Panopticon scheme. He was completely convinced that it had been thwarted by the king and the aristocrat elite at the time. However, he did not let this rejection deter him. And a couple of years later, as you know, industrialization really began to pick up speed in England mainly, and an increase in number of workers were required to work in really large factories, right? Bentham was then asked for some commission drawings from an architect called Wiley Reveille. Bentham reasoned that if the prisoners of the Panopticon prison could be seen but never really knew when they were watched, this could also be applied to other designs um, used in factories, asylums, hospitals and schools. Now onto the design in itself. To give some sort of idea as to how this tower or building was to be constructed, I'm going to try my best to describe it from the inside out. So first, in the inside, we begin with 
with a cylinder tower in the middle where guards stay in a room with windows. However, these windows are covered by some sort of curtain or blind. This is mainly for the purpose to see out the window, but to obstruct the view from the outside in. In some instances, this cylinder is followed by the building of a sort of chapel, I guess you could call it, in order to obstruct and also give some distance between the actual guard's tower and the actual prison cells. Not only that, but also to be able to access the guard's tower by a private staircase or like in the anime Kakagurui, which is my favorite, elevators, right? These would be placed between the guard's tower exterior and the chapel's interior walls. Next up, the actual prison cells. Where do they go? Well, first of all, these can vary in shape. For example, in the Millbank prison, the shape of the subsequent towers and prison cells is in the shape of pentagons, giving it kind of the look and structure of a flower from a bird's eye view. However, in the original plans and blueprints of the Panopticon, Bentham had just resigned to keeping the prison cells really simple. Just one cylinder inside another cylinder inside another cylinder, basically. Three cylinders in total. Now, if you didn't understand that last part, to minimize it or make it more simple, it's just three cylinders. That's it. This building consists of three cylinders. The tower slash cylinder in the middle is inhabited and used by guards to watch from. The second cylinder cylinder that is around the first one is used as a barrier between the first and the third. And lastly, the third cylinder, which is the biggest and obviously encases the two previous ones, is where the inmates would live. So yeah, in total, three layers of maximum security and of course, maximum vigilance. Now the effects of it. I, of course, couldn't end the episode without talking about some of the effects that such mechanisms of surveillance and security have on people. So first I'm going to talk about the consequences on the actual prison inmates and guards, since that is who the Panopticon was initially intended for. The behavioural effects it had on the people in the Panopticon was completely immediate and quite effective, to say the least. Most inmates and guards, of course, because they were being completely watched constantly, they either had pretty much just two choices. They either could correct their behavior and follow the rules or begin to really create ways to avoid being getting caught going against the law and the rules, right? Because of the constant surveillance, this caused most inmates and the guards to become more constant in staying in the margin of good actions, right? This is also the result of punishment too. As they were constantly surveillance, what occurred was if inmates or guards were caught doing something sketchy or wrong, one time they were given a pass. Yeah, by the second attempt of getting away with inadequate behavior, um, what occurred was that their acts were then recorded and written down. Not only that, once that was done, they were then informed of their punishment caused by their actions on those two previous occasions. After being punished, the amount of regulation of bad behavior had actually increased and the amount of bad behavior going without punishment had decreased. This type of constant watching led the people in the building to feel sort of like an omnipresence and the feeling of being watched taught them to essentially begin to guard themselves, which is a very psychologically trapping feeling. This led to way more consistency in good behavior. However, the health effects and the constant self-surveillance did lead a lot of people involved to begin to feel stressed, anxious, unhappy, and of course, losing a sense of privacy, which is uncomfortable to say the least. Not only that, but actually as the surveillance and security market keeps increasing, and obviously so do their pockets, <laughs> 
with an estimated rise to a total of $42 billion worth in 2020 alone. So did the invading of privacy, mental health issues, physical symptoms, and much more. Studies that go as far back as to the creation of the Panopticon in itself have stated the following. As far back as 1996, researchers found that people felt a loss of control when they knew they were being watched. Now, the mental health effects don't end there though. No, we're just starting. Researchers have found that as surveillance increases, so does anxiety. Now, anxiety is a very, very powerful feeling, right? It can lead to a host of health conditions, including high blood pressure, obesity, respiratory problems, gastrointestinal problems, and even cancer. Not to mention paranoia, frustration, anger, depression, feelings of guilt, escapism, mistrust in the government, and of course, mistrust and abuse of making fake profiles, stories, and excuses online. Now, basically, the constant surveillance that only a few people used to be able to put up with, such as, you know, people in the public eye, or prisons, or in asylums, or people that were wealthy just in general, it is now in the present pretty much everyone's problem. The technology that is being put out, I think, in my personal opinion, is too far ahead for humans' morality and understanding most of the time. A lot of people use technology for its original purpose and intention, and yes, that's amazing, keep doing that. Yet, as the years go by, the number of increased cases of breaching of privacy, leaked footage, destruction of careers and homes, loss of privacy is only increasing. This mainly occurs because many, many people, yes, they do have the money to buy this technology, which by the way, is so easily accessible, yet they also simultaneously lack the moral compass to navigate this technology, right? Now, many people in particular have begun to feel kind of like a sense of control or ownership, not to mention assumption and being a part of strangers' lives as the norm. People are also very, very much fond of normalizing really just inadequate behavior by also putting the blame not on themselves but on the companies that create such products right these companies more often than not then decide to wash their hands clean by either paying people to be silent waiting for time to pass so people just will forget about it or saying that their products and brand aren't intended for such crimes but that's all they say because then there's no solution and instead they just keep manufacturing more and more advanced technology in order to keep people in debt and buying unnecessary things right now what i personally found most interesting is the fact that in ancient culture you know this type of snooping around or basically not minding your business it was pretty much uh, a crime not only that but privacy has clearly been very much obviously bastardized especially in first world countries right in ancient times being able to catch a vision or glimpse into someone's life or future was really just up for some people typically high priests or high priestesses mainly because if all people get a glimpse into other people's lives this is exactly what happens so to conclude i really have found interesting how easy and obvious it is to see the link between you know the spiritual realm and how it manifests into the physical realm right also how easily the archetypes in tarot really just apply to life in general and that an icon in a card can be seen as an icon of destruction in ancient civilizations to both now the spiritual and physical punishments that it may contain is mind-blowing so yeah i just wanted to talk about this mainly because i've been feeling you know the tower cards energy for the past month or so very heavily so clearly it's about to hit so yeah it's just kind of like a heads up as to maybe question what you're doing at the moment why make yourself be kicked out of god's home when instead you can just mind your business right so yeah also let's all remember that whatever you put out comes back tenfold thank you ever so much for listening to this particular episode i hope you all managed to see what i was talking about 
and understand the correlation between towers throughout time, whether they're spiritual, physical, or even internal, right? And how it can manifest into our day-to-day lives. We can't diminish and ignore the power that towers hold to cause chaos, destruction, or distraction in our lives. But also we have to acknowledge that it also has a good side. The tower is not all bad, right? Towers are very much necessary in order for us to really just go from one cycle to the next, you know, just keep evolving. So uh, don't look at the tower as a bad thing. Look at it as an opportunity to just grow as an individual. I hope you all have an amazing week ahead filled with loads of love, blessings, and good health. Goodbye.